Welcome home. Taku and his collaborators walk us through his latest album. Songs to come home to. So welcome back to another episode of uh, Welcome Home Podcast. said I'd never do podcasts, but here I am. <laughs> Our next guest is someone that I'm really excited to speak to. And someone, to be honest, I was so excited when he graciously agreed to collaborate on a track. And the reason why is because I'm such a big fan of, of this artist, but also I feel like we're part of the same kind of group of people that excite me as well, inspire me. And every time I see them do amazing things online or whatever, it really just lights my fire and, and really makes me excited. And I also have a song that that means a lot to me that I'll, I'll let him know about when we start chatting. But a big warm welcome to Xavier Omar. Man, thank you. That was pretty crazy. It's pretty cool. <laughs> You're a great artist, man. I mean, you know, when I reached out to you to jump on the song Smile, which comes out later today, you're just one of the, the, the vocalists or artists that are just like, man, it's like, you know, the bucket list kind of thing. Which is crazy because same on my side, like just wanting to, like I told you earlier, like before we started the pod, it was definitely when I started my career, like you could see who was doing what and how, like how far they were and how many fans they had and getting on a Taku record was a big deal and to be like a part of that and getting i guess the the invite directly from you at that not even from management like directly from <laughs> you and being on the record was like holy crap like, it's just a joke and then even seeing your response after the the song came through to you like it just meant a lot to me man and it still oh, does so it. it's Likewise. it's shared it's, it's very shared on, on that end when you sent that recording i was just i, I, I it was like early morning for me. I think I just woke up, but I was just like, man, I love the way you approach songwriting and the way you approach the use of your voice. I think like, and I'll just say now, like your your song Blind Man, which, you know, I think resonates with a lot of people. <laughs> it's like just the most romantic. <laughs> and also because, you know, I'm married and it just makes me think of like what true love really means and like what it means to actually be in love with someone that really like takes your heart away or is your soulmate but not only that just the way you approach songwriting and the use of your voice like yeah i think i wanted to ask you when it comes to writing music where does that inspiration come from because you're, you're so unique and you definitely stand Man. out from i know it's a very wide question but no it's it's one that i think people skip too often when they talk to me mm. uh, because I like songwriting is my favorite part. And I think it's so much of why music connects with people. It's not so much like, is my voice a part of it? Sure, but I don't have the greatest voice in the world. But if I can put the honesty and the passion of my voice with lyrics that mean something, mm. then now I can start making connection with people. And I realized that because of what songwriting was doing to me. So we're going to go back. I'm, I'm willing to do this. I am, what, 15 years old. There's this girl at the church that I was going to who I liked, but she was into like more so alternative music, some rock music. And I wasn't like I'm, I was already into music, of course, but I was singing, rapping. I played drums at the church, like all that stuff. Right. But I just wasn't into what she was into. So I go to the radio to just kind of find some stations. <laughs> and it's funny. The <laughs> 
<laughs> the the song that first stuck with me was Daughters by John Mayer. Cause I was like, people write like this, like mm. they write songs like this. And it's on the radio at that. And so that stuck with me. So I just kind of kept listening to what else might be on the station and what else might connect with me. And then of course the internet was pretty much in full swing at the time. So I'm I'm going in and searching and finding more too. I fall in love with the way Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons wrote his songs, especially early on. I was just taken away by that first album, the second album as well. And then I'm paying attention to voices that were connecting with me, like Mr. Hudson, kind of leading me all the way to, to Chris Martin of Coldplay. And just how, even if the song, even if I didn't necessarily understand the writing, how the the use of your voice mm -hmm. could still make that connection. So all of this is happening at the same time. And then I'm starting to find, I'm, through the years I learned like John Bellion and all these different people that are like just fantastic writers. And for me, it was like, I want to write a song that when somebody hears it, they go, they talk about the writing because it's like, it's that good or it's that precise for them. And Every once in a while, that does definitely still happen to me where it's like, why didn't I write this song or why didn't I think of that? And that feeling makes me want to go back again. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, what can we do? Like, wh how can I express this differently? So, yeah, just funny enough, it just started from having a crush on a girl. And now I'm like <laughs> focused, on, <laughs> focused in on songwriting. But that's, that's, those are amazing lists of like inspirations because then yeah. they wouldn't be the first ones that come to mind. And I yeah. think like those kind of writers do really, I mean, besides John Mayer, he has an amazing voice. Chris yeah. Barton, take for instance, his voice is so unique. He isn't the greatest voice, but the way he uses it and the way yeah. he uses harmony and even his lyricism, it's, you know, so admired. And it's like, you know, it seems like there was a lot of indie rock, you know, even folk kind of artists that kind of influenced you. So much, Which yeah. is very, you know, very interesting to hear. And then on the other side, you you have your great, songwriting and that sensibility mixed in with just like undeniably R&B soul music yeah. on that side of things in terms of like maybe production or or the type of music that you make what kind of inspirations come on that side so it's, it's odd my inspirations are pretty much at odds with the way that I feel music mm. like like the way that I create it and it's not I've never sat down I don't feel and said, I'm specifically R&B. Mm. I think the Everlasting Wave was the first time I was like, okay, yeah, like I realized that my voice is soulful. So some things come off that way and I connect with some things easier because of my culture, but R&B doesn't have to be one way. So I remember on that album specifically, it's eight songs and I, I tried to do R&B eight different ways on that oh, one. Amazing. And so it's just like, it's hard to key in on a specific style between being a military kid and living all these different places, Japan, Maryland, Georgia, which obviously like are completely different from each other with having all these different influences from like, yes, I love Kanye West, Pharrell, Daft Punk, as you can see, you can see mm. <laughs> Kanye Pharrell, Daft Punk, but also super into James Blake. Like, I love James Blake. Who does? <laughs> yeah. Like, good Lord. <laughs> I, I love James Blake. But also, like, like I've already mentioned, Chris Martin, there was a band for a while called the Maccabees that I was really into before they broke up. And now Orlando Weeks, who was the lead singer, I still pay attention to the work that he does. Super into the 1975. I know that they're way, like, they're a massive band. But Maddie Healy is just super incredible to me. <laughs> and I just pay attention to the songwriting styles and the subjects and the approach. 
And trying to take all of that, all those feelings that connect with me well, and put it into this R&B and soulful form, I think is why you do get a little bit more attention mm. sometimes on, on the songwriting or even on the feeling of the music mm-hmm. more than this. When I really when I started, R&B was really dark, like really dark and floaty, kind of the, the weekend, you know, where he was at. A lot of it was that way. And then now I think it's kind of lean more pop radio-ish in some ways. But with all the, it, it changes so often that I wanted something that felt like it was progressing, but still stable. Mm. And I think that only comes when you're just trying different things and you're just mixing different things. So I never tried to work against exactly what's happening, the popular thing that may be happening, but I also wanted to have something that stood out in the midst of it as well. You know what I mean? So just always trying to blend those styles. Uh, my most recent full album was If You Feel. And <laughs> I've got an old school R&B song on there called So Much More. But then I have a song that I call Boney Bear because I'm a big Boney Bear fan. And just like that, the, the sound of that is completely different. Then I have kind of a poppy radio thing called All Our Time. But then I have this four on the floor dance record. That's the intro. But then I have this Marvin Gaye sounding song at the end. Like it just sounds like we're jumping all over the place. But feelings and emotions do that. Yeah. And so to be able to kind of embody that into R&B and still be considered R&B is like, I'm, I'm happy that people have allowed me <laughs> to do that. But it's also the only way that I can express it. So that's how we get there. Yeah, that's amazing, though, bro. Because I think when you listen to music, you definitely can feel that you're a man of like very good taste, but also a man that has a lot of influences. And I think it's very interesting as fans for us to finally hear what those influences are. Because we're always, I guess we're always surprised that you know, if you like X artists, you, you assume that the inspirations are going to be art, like artists that are so similar. But yeah. it's definitely not the case most of the time, you know. It's having such a wide net of, you know, musical influences and things that really gets you inspired, did that come from an early age? You, you mentioned you were a military kid moving around a lot. Where did the musical influence come from as a kid? Did you discover yourself? Was it like an older cousin? It was my dad and brother. Been in church my entire life, whether I wanted to be or not, or cared. Uh, and so my my dad was just minister of music, excuse me, at the church that we were at when I was like, this is a kind of a a weird thing. But like I say, when, when I realized I was conscious, because at some point as a kid, you just realize you're here one day. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't, it's very random. But like when I've like realized, oh, okay, I'm here. I was around three years old or whatever. And I was trying to get into everything that they were doing. So my dad and brother, well, at the time, it was just my dad that played keys. And I didn't get into that, but I was like, oh, maybe a saxophone, maybe a guitar. And then I just realized over time, I don't have the patience for a noted instrument. (laughs) So (laughs) my brother was playing drums and I just copied after him. It was way easier to just bang stuff. But eventually, like that became my thing. Like I was a full-on drummer from age, I started at three. I think I was, by the time we got to Maryland, I was the church's drummer by the time I was 11. And I didn't stop playing until uh, I was 24, I think. Stopped playing consistently, like every week. Mm. Going to rehearsals and playing at services every week. I played a little bit on my last tour. That was fun. Me and my drummer switched. He would sing and I would play drums on a song. But other than that, like that time period was pretty much it. Just being around musicians and wanting to kind of be a part of 
what the family is doing, the family business, if you uh, if you want to say. So that was just the the love for music, just being around it all the time and and seeing it be made and presented. Not really even be made because we were just you know, church is basically like just a cover band at that point. You're just, <laughs> you're just play, playing the songs, <laughs> right? But when we were in Japan, my brother had got on was on punishment. But my dad also had just got a new keyboard and didn't really have anywhere in the house to put it. So my dad, I just like put the keyboard in his room and my brother couldn't do anything. So he just messed with the keyboard. And by the time the, he got off punishment, he was like, good. And it was <laughs> very weird. Uh, so his high school had a talent show. I remember this girl came in first place. He came in second on just the keys and my sister came in third as a singer. And that kind of like began everything for him. When we moved to Maryland and he was in high school there, like he made this rap group. He was a producer and he rapped. And so I'm seeing that all the time. Mm. They're coming to the house. They're practicing, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I can be better than this. <laughs> At first, no. But then it just started getting cool because they're like that, around that time, Bow Wow, Lil Romeo, right. like all these people are like getting on the scene. And I'm like, I can do that, right? Like, it's cool. So eventually I go in there and just start messing around with the, the keyboard. Still didn't learn how to play keys, but I learned how to sequence beats. So just being around the music and then being around the creation of music sparked a lot of that for me. And so pretty much since I was after age 12, like it's been nonstop as far as creation of music. Mm. So that's how we got here, you know? Yeah, amazing, man. I think that's like a, a wild journey, you know, to be traveling at that that age because i think travel yeah. when you start to travel and you you're a creative as well that opens up this kind of like bank of inspiration you never knew you had of this like yearning to see more and to, to do more and that happened quite I early for you didn't even realize it mm. i knew what i was experiencing when we were in japan but i didn't see it through the lens of music yet yeah it wasn't until i got to maryland that i began to see that more especially because they have their own style with go-go music and even in fashion, a lot of a lot of the popular brands when I was a kid were like local brands, more so than the nationwide ones. Mm. So they just they're so creative and unique within themselves that everything about creativity was in your face a lot. And so you start to recognize, oh, that's culture. And you reckon you recognize it the most when you move again. So going right. from Maryland to Georgia, when I got to Georgia, the South is just so different. Yeah. And that was like right around the uh, the white tees and snapping and a knuck of you buck, I think might've just come out. Wow. So like the styles between the the DMV area and Georgia are just so completely different. And you're like, oh, okay, this is culture. Like <laughs> this is, this is, this is the differences of everyone and the way that they see life and the way that they express themselves. And so, yeah, beginning to pull those different things together and put them in the music you know, that that came much later, but it still was just like just an amazing experience to have. So cool. And like when did that when did that click? Like from seeing all these things and experiencing all these things and watching your older brother kind of, you know, take a stab at like giving music a shot, whether it was like semi serious or not. When was like the turning point for you where it's I was like, I think I could do this or I'd like to try this as a as a hobby and then into a career? I think the moment I figured out how to sequence that beat at that point thought that I was going to be the biggest star in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. I, I thought that I was going to, Oh, it's like, Oh, I'm so good. Like I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to be, 
I had crazy, I had Kanye West levels of confidence as a child. <laughs> I became more humble as an adult, but that level of confidence was just, you couldn't tell me anything. And it didn't make it any better that I was kind of right when it came to the people around me, at least. Like I was always either the best or among the best of whoever was around me in whatever I was trying to do. So when it was basketball, making the basketball team and all that stuff, or when it, when I shifted my focus way more to music, I was always the the dopest person I knew <laughs> for a long time, yeah. pretty much until, you know, until I got to Georgia high school and um, connected with L.A., and a dude named Freeman, and we were we were in a group together for a while in high school. But it's the moment I realized that it was possible for me to do it. I was just like, I'm going to do this, and that's like it's it's cool to to look back on that way. I remember my first song that I wrote as well. For whatever reason, it was about cars. I, I was 12, couldn't drive, didn't know nothing, but I just felt like you're supposed to flex if you rapped. So, like it was just always from that moment, man. It just it was a spark. So. Is that spark yeah, that's, still that's, around today? You still have that kind of like, we all need that kind of like confidence mm-hmm. to keep going as artists. Otherwise, it's a rough ride. <laughs> I'm having to rebuild it, mm. I've noticed. I did a song called Something Changed. It's on the If You Feel album. And it took like five years to even get to write that song because mm. I noticed a change or a shift in my entire life in 2015. And it's funny because like that's that's legitimately when the, the career stuff started getting really good. I was able to join my first tour and all kinds of stuff. Money is coming in finally. But something happened in that year that just like it was different for me. And I've been trying to put those pieces together bit by bit. And it's become way less about how good I am or what I'm going to what I'm going to do within myself. I just I lean on my faith a lot more, way more, because it's the only way I'm going to get anywhere. And so I'm like, if this is what God has for me, and this is what I'm going to do. He's going to give me these lyrics. <laughs> He's going to put me in contact with the right people. He's going to give me these melodies. And I'm going to maximize and, and find out how far I can take this with that mindset. So the confidence has been way less. Like, of course, I believe in me and what I do. I know what I, I know what I can do. Like, I believe in me for sure. But my belief is far more in what the fact that God is giving me something to do and that he's going to He's going to give me the tools and I just have to just go execute. And like I said, find out how far it goes. So that's way more. It was a change and it was a shift, but it's it's way better because that's an un, God is an unlimited source mm-hmm. and I'm super limited. I get tired working out. So like, <laughs> you know, that's there's 24 hours in a day and it doesn't take that long for me to need to, to sleep for the rest of the day. So if, if I'm trusting in who I believe created everything, then it's it's limitless. You know what I mean? So it's shifted, but it's better. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I had another episode with my homie, Joe Kenneth. He's out in New York. He's a uh, he's many things. I don't want to pigeonhole him. He's a creative. But his his tagline is that he's a, you know, he's a cre- uh, creative in the way of the creator. And he, he yeah. always says that, you know, the things that he's, he's able to do, he's not responsible. He's not the only person responsible for it. It's just, yeah. you know, that that God helps him and it's like a lot of the time when you're when you're feeling that way cuz i don't think a lot of people know that being a musician or being a creative is tiring it's like mm-hmm. you can only give so much of yourself mentally as well you know how do you find the, the the landscape of the music industry these days when it's 
you have so much to think about other than just making music or just right. being in the studio and, and feeling what you feel and putting it down. There's so much more involved. How have you found that kind of like switch? And I feel like it's getting more and more intense post-COVID or during COVID because it was a lot like yeah. you have to be present online, which you do great, by the way. I think you're you're an amazing online presence for your fans, for them to kind of get a glimpse of who you are. How have you kind of like adapted to those times? As you know, it's changed so much, like a lot, since we first started making music. Mm-hmm. There was a time when all you had to do was upload. Like we, when I was in high school, yeah. we put our stuff on MySpace and just tried to give links around to whoever we could. And that was pretty much it. Like if you could make a music video, great, put it up. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of it. You've, you've done your part, you put the music out. And I think for a long time, just putting the music out, especially during the kind of that golden age of SoundCloud for like our peers, that was kind of all you had to do, just drop just and drop. just drop. And if you got tour dates, they will show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's funny, yeah, those days like just drop and also like leave a comment on your homie stuff too. It was like, yeah, it was super like interchangeable, right? Right. And everybody helped each other in that way. And that's, I think that's why we kind of all came up together mm-hmm. and, and at every level because we just kept supporting each other. But the like music changes without telling you it's going to change. And it does it about every two years. You either are a part of it somehow, or you look up one day and just realize, okay, it's all different. So the creation of music isn't necessarily different, but the way that it's used, the way that it has to be marketed, like that is what changes now. So you go from, I did an album in 2014 that sold more than The Everlasting Wave, but The Everlasting Wave streamed more and made more money. And that was like the big change Mm. because we were counting album sales for me in 2014 and then we were counting streams in 2016. And so even something as minute as that, like that's not going to be, I don't think we're getting away from streaming to something else anytime soon. But at the same time, the marketing of it has changed so much. So keeping it in front of people's faces on TikTok and whatever else, right? Your, Your social media numbers not meaning as much anymore. Even your Spotify numbers not meaning as much because they could be crazy and people still not be in that room when you come to the city. Like it's just, it's just all, it's all different. So literally, I feel like I'm, I'm always a little bit behind, but I'm able to notice the change and say, what's still honest and authentic for me in this version of like what needs to be done? Because I can't avoid it completely. Mm. But so this has to happen. I need to put content out. I need to do this and that. What's authentic for me? How often would I realistically do it? How often? Like, Because my, my fans, to a degree, I've got a fan base that has grown with me mostly and they know me. But even for the new fans, they're getting to know me. So I need to be honest and I need to show them I'm not going to be on here every day. I'm an introvert. Like, <laughs> I'm, not playing, I'm not playing 2K online. I'm playing it <laughs> by myself. I'm not, I'm not taking my phone out everywhere we go. And even if I do, I'm posting it hours after we've already left and making it seem like I'm there right now. Mm. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm not you gonna You sound be, like the same person. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I'm not gonna be that person that's always in your face. So why would I try to present that with the music or online and the content? Like I'm gonna be authentically who I am. I'm not gonna try to represent something I don't represent, blah, blah, blah. So take that, put it into whatever formula needs to happen today, what has proven works and what people have said that they, that they want out of artists and out of music. 
take that, make it work and continue to tweak it as it needs to be tweaked. So for me, what I notice, and it's kind of crazy, if I tweet about anything other than a song dropping, people mostly don't care. Or, you know, if it's a like a hot topic, of course, but I be tweeting about wrestling and and sports because I wanted to be a sports journalist at one point. Like, that's all I do. And nobody cares. I'm like, just when are you going on tour and when are you putting the song <laughs> out? Right. Same thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If I just want to like, you know, maybe if I put pictures of just like me and the family, like it'll go crazy. People love Kristen. They love my daughter as well. Like they'll, those p- pictures get liked a bunch. But if it's just me doing anything other than singing or like they don't care. So <laughs> like, and this is what's crazy. I know my fans care about me, mm. but the response of what works for me online has to be based on what I'm going to give them musically or content wise. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not even going to really post beyond that because yeah. I've learned that about them and realized, okay, like. I don't need to overwork myself or try to be something I'm not because they don't want that anyway. So learning the fan base, seeing what works and just keeping authentic in all of it is what's been working for me in this time frame. So, and I'm glad because, you know, it's it's nice to not have to put something up every two, three days or every day. Like some people, you know, they legitimately have to. They have to, yeah. I always find it funny when you go on TikTok and things like that and where some artists do the other thing. They're like, my management said I need to post more. And yeah. so here's that post, and I'm like, bro. Yeah. But I'm like, it's like that for some people and some teams, you know, they have to be active like that. And I'm the same as you, man. It's just like, you know, I'd rather give someone an authentic slice of me than me trying to be something that I'm not. And I think for yeah. most most part, I think my fan base or my audience or my supporters kind of know that and would, would see, see right through me if I try to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. And it becomes more effective too. When- yeah. When the when the post is up, or when you're able to, to just pop out for them, like they pay attention because like okay, this isn't on the timeline every single day, and it's not just like oh, what are they doing next type of thing? Because every time this person gives me something, like it's really meaningful or it's really cool, really well thought out. So I think it begins to mean more that way too. I I really feel for artists who. You know, they they trust their management, so they're trying to listen, or they trust the label, so they're trying to listen and, and, and do certain things. But it's not one size fits all for anything mm. out here. So, okay, yeah, it worked for this person that they turned that rock song into an R&B song, and they turned that R&B song into a gospel song or whatever. Like, that works for them, and that's their formula, and it got them 100 million streams somehow, and now they got a real fan base. But that doesn't mean that like their formula is going to work for you. Mm. It's just not the same. Like just because you can see or even taste Coca-Cola don't mean you're about to be able to make Coca-Cola. Like, you know what I mean? Like even if you know what some of the ingredients are, it's just not always going to work out exactly the same because it's just not you and it's not for you either. And so I've, I've had to fight against the, I call it being the cover boy because I don't I don't want to. Yeah, like I don't. I don't love doing a, a bunch of covers, and I'll do some. I really. I mean, I love it. I'll, I'll do some, but I, I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm doing a cover this week to stay relevant. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I, that's not honest for me. Yeah. It it works for some people, and they're great at it. Not going to be for me. And realizing that, and just sticking to it, and, and you know, I, I would like for more artists to be able to figure that out about themselves, both what the fans want 
what they actually want to do and kind of meeting in the middle or, you know, giving more sometimes, taking less sometimes to keep your fan base happy and not necessarily just trying to follow a formula. I, I agree, man. I think like on the cover side of thing, you know, even like when you see on TikTok, like the mashups and like the, the edits kind of thing, yeah. where they're becoming more and more relevant on TikTok than actually original music. And I yeah. think I love I love some of these mashups. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, man, this that's an amazing combination of two songs. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time you see it's like produced by. And I was like, well, yeah. nah. um, <laughs> I don't know. You know I mean, it's like, but it's like, I feel like where we're at now, there really needs to be a strong push for original artists putting out original music in an original way. Yeah. Because I feel like sooner or later, you know, things are all cyclical. You know, it's going to come around where people are going to want that again <laughs> yeah. you know and they want it now but it's just like not as you know relevant so and i think you're one of those artists bro and i think your journey where you are at now you know kind of really owning your career yourself you know before we jumped on the pod that's like a direction you're going in where you're kind of handling all things xavier Omar, yeah. and you know the whole spectrum that kind of like attitude towards your music being really standing out and being authentic is really really yeah. important like what's the next step now for you you know with your music and your your brand quote unquote i've got some ideas i know what i plan to do for the year i don't want to jinx it because we're kind of at a a tiering point with it where it may not actually happen so i'm, I'm just gonna keep it together here but i'm working toward a, a joint project with one of my homies and even possible co-headlining together before the year is up so it's weird to say possibly in like the middle of the, the year, but still, because it's not, we're, we're not trying to do, you know, 26 dates or nothing like that. We're looking to do some of the major markets together. Uh, but even before that, I want to go and do some of the smaller markets, the ones I haven't been to since like 2019, 2020. Yeah, right. Uh, so I, I just want to get back out there performing. I have not performed a lot since the pandemic. I think I've done like a grand total of seven shows. I just want to get back out there. I miss it. One of my favorite, my two favorite elements of music are songwriting and live performing. So I'm just, I miss it. What is a live so performance for someone that hasn't seen you live? Like, what does that look, feel like? So remember, my beginning as an artist is a rapper and the only instrument I play is a drum. So it's very aggressive. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, expect it for the most part because, you know, the okay, right. the voice might be a little smooth. But I get real screamy sometimes uh, on some of these songs and it starts to feel a little, a little bit more like a rock concert at times. So I've always brought like that that passion. Early on, the, the band was literally literally rock band style. It was drum, guitar, me. Like that was, and I wanted it to feel that way. Eventually it evolved into having the full band. I've got electric, uh, bass, drums, and keyboard uh, when I'm doing my full thing. But we've, we've been able to like let it evolve over the years. So it's, it's always a party because I don't want to be a no sleepy concert and I don't want to perform a sleepy concert. So we're going to, there's a lot of energy and I tend to do take it like a roller coaster. So we'll go up, we'll go down. I'll take you back up. You know, I'll, I'll even it out. It needs to, to feel like a bit of a different experience than just press and play. So that's important to me. There's connection there because. Like, I, I love to talk to the fans. So there's connection there in that way. And also the eye contact while I'm singing and just feeling the moment with people. But a show is very much, a live performance is very much 
I think connection is the key word to just to stay with. It's very much a connecting point with me and the fans. Mm. It's just, I don't know what that song got them through. I don't know what it took for them to get there that day. So I'm giving everything that I possibly can. I'm just trying to live in that moment with them. I'm making the eye contact. I'm dapping them up. I'm giving them hugs, whatever it is. Like it's it's a better, more elevated version of just going in a car and pressing play. You know what I mean? It's 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 a full experience in that way. So man, I miss it. I really do miss it. I can't wait to get back out there. That is a, a part of the near future for me. And then, and I, I haven't like officially said exactly when publicly, but I'm definitely working on my next album. I want it to be what's what's it's June now, so <laughs> maybe March, March, April, May next year. Nice. Probably closer to April and May next year. I know people don't want to hear that it is going to be that long. That's a long time. But at the same time, <laughs> I've never been able to, well, I won't say been able. I never have created the music, took time to do the visual work, the merchandising and whatever else, and then released it. Mm. Pretty much within three months of the last song being recorded, the, al- like the album's out and we haven't done anything to like, like we're we're trying to build the world and continue the story as the music's already out. And I hate that. Stressful, like, man. Or we're working against the clock of mm. the the release date. I want to just be done and create stress free and press go when we're actually ready to press go. Like so, I'm taking the time that way. But the music is, been, I'm excited. Mm, the, the music the, being done. <laughs> some of it's already like um, recorded. Just needs to be mixed. But I think I've got what are we? Maybe about five more songs. I'm trying to get to five to six. You know, I like eleven is a nice number for me for my album. Yeah, that's why I like to where I like to go. So I'm trying to, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I've got a lot of time till I'm, till I put a deadline on myself. So doing pretty good. Yeah. Having those things kind of stacked up as you go to release, you know, means that you've might've done and finished the music months ago. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, when it comes out, you're just excited for people to hear it. And it's like, I've listened to this a million times, but now it's time for you to listen to the first time. There's three people actually that have inspired me in that way. The first time I really noticed it was when Amine put out Limbo because he dropped like the merch like the day after he did one of the singles and like a music video. I'm just like, dang, this is all done. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so used to just work and drop and do that. But like everything was done. I was like, this is incredible. And I just always had in my mind, okay, I want to do something. I want to do it like that when I get the chance. And then Tyler, Tyler, the creator, just with his videos, because they're not they're not always these like full length videos either. Sometimes it's just the first verse to the chorus and then he gives you like three or four of those. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, why didn't we think of the fact that you don't have to do the whole song? That's all we need sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's all we got the attention right. fan for. Right. So it's just like seeing how he does that and mm-hmm. how in those videos or in the pictures, you can tell that it's been months and months well thought out. Because everything that represents the album, it might already be a pin that he's wearing or a chain that he had made or the tire was, I don't know, like the tire says, call me if you get lost or it's just like we're finding out about this stuff right now, but it's already like planned and set and done. And also they sent me over the assets for for Smile, but everything that's there for our song is there's also like the album assets and like, yeah. like <laughs> everything is here, bro. Like everything is here and ready to go. 
I'm like, I need to be this organized. And like, I want to be able to relax when my That's music That's the main thing, out. yeah. You yeah. want to have the capacity to like, you know, once it's out, to be there with the fans and enjoy it and like be in that excitement with, with the audience. Because I find a lot of time when you don't have things, it's you're just like chasing your tail and like you're not in that moment when it comes out. You're like thinking about the next thing. Right, how to make it. But then and the other side of that is just like, man, just keen to write new music when the when the current music's coming out. That's another thing to kind of like combat with. But hey, that's a yeah. good problem to have. It's a very good problem to have. And that's like what I really plan for. Cause there's, there's songs that's gonna come out this year. Like I'm not done releasing music, especially with the plan that I have with my homie about the joint EP. There's gonna be singles regardless of if we're able to finish that that work in time. There's still music. So we're gonna put that music out. And we're going to do what we got to do in that way. But at the same time, as that music is coming out, I'm, I've am i got the rest of this ready to go and just putting the plan together in place for when it's time. So I'm genuinely excited just about after every album or before every album. I'm like, what am I going to do this time? Or what can I say a different way this time? Mm. And it's, it's not until every time, right? Yeah, especially because it's been I've been doing this for a very long time. And specifically in R&B music, the main subject for my brand, at least, is always going to be love. So it's like, how much more can I actually talk about it in like what kind of different way? And then it reveals itself. And you're just like, okay, whether it's in, in the marriage or in other people's situations and stories that they tell you, something you've never seen that way before, something you've never experienced that way before. And now it's like, there's a new branch and that there's something that I can talk about in a song because I have not heard this in a song or I haven't heard it this way. So it's just, it's so exciting to be at that point. I kind of feel it bubble up. They're like, okay, I'm ready to work. Mm-hmm. And having that feeling and being right now sitting on the songs that I am and looking forward to finishing the project out, like, I'm just excited. I really am. We're so, excited too, man. I think good time. Any, any new music or any new project coming from you, very exciting. Being a family man, I, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing and one being a married man and one being now a married man with a child. How has that kind of like new change in your life been with being a creative or, or being a you know musician? Is it light work or is it adjustments need to be made? It's definitely adjustments because whether it's adjusting to all the changes that she's rapidly going through now being 18 months, She's a little hurricane now, but it used to be a time you could just put her in a chair and it was fine or put her in a bouncer and it was fine. And now she's everywhere and pulling everything and scribbling on things and crying if you go into the bathroom. So it's just like trying to handle and be present with all of her changes and still make sure that my downtime can be some kind of productive, at least sometime throughout the week, right? Because my my first inclination if I'm tired or feel like I've done a lot in the day and we finally get her down to nap, like I just want to kind of de-stress. So my first thought could be, man, let me get on this like PlayStation real quick. You know what I mean? And then real quick, it's two and a half hours and her nap's about to be over and I haven't done anything, <laughs> right? So having to manage that with, okay, let's, like being intentional on, on certain days coming in and saying, okay, let's listen through these files. Let's contact this producer. Whatever I can do, open up logic and let's get to work. Let's just write, let's write, let's 
go back to this idea and see if there's more. Let's finalize these vocals, whatever it is, just going in and being intentional and making it happen. But I have to do it. I don't work before her nap. It's going to be impossible. At least during her nap, there's like guaranteed quiet time (laughs) in that space. And then even like beyond that, by that time, my wife is available as well. So I might have another two hour window before it feels like she's probably out there drowning and I need to get out there and help. Right. So I just, I pick my spots Mm. as much as I love to be in here every day. Like I can't be, I'm not going to leave my wife out there (laughs) to drown and figuring out exactly what to do with our daughter all the time. You know, I'm going to be a present parent and a present husband. So that just, it's a lot of, it is a lot of balancing. I don't know that there's ever any true balance because I, I'm going to give them more, but also if I don't work, we about to be out here nowhere. Mm. We're going to be on these streets. So, you know, just just being intentional about the time that I do have, mm. that's been the, the big adjustment and staying focused in that way. Like we're, we're good and we're, we have a nice life, but we're not going to keep having a nice life if if I don't take this time. So it's been, it helps me focus more. And I thought I would be a little more stressed and I'm just not because the music's great. So yeah. <laughs> it's just working out. It's just been it's been a good time. And we've been able to some make some good decisions here and some good plays business-wise to put me in a good position to take care of them and to create. Well, much respect to you, man. Cause I know like yeah. how hard it must be to juggle. And as a fan, just to to say that we're grateful that you make the time to put out such amazing music despite you know, raising a human being. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But man, I, I just want to say thank you so much for like taking the time just to talk a little bit. I, I learned out, you know, so much. We've never talked beside of a yeah. text, right? So it's very crazy. It was great to connect and to see what makes you tick and, you know, your creative origins. Cause, you know, as a fan myself and for people listening who already know Xavier Omar for sure, but if you've never heard, or, you know, a new fan, I think it's a great way for us to just become acquainted. And I had one question just before we, uh, two actually, because when before the pod, when we were talking, we were, you know, chatting about sports and you can tell you're a very passionate <laughs> sportsman. But yeah, just for, just for my sake, who, okay, I got two questions. The first one is like, who is the, the greatest player in the NBA right now? And then the second one is, which NBA team in history is the best to play with on 2K, in your opinion? Best player in the league at this exact moment, like high to their prime. It is hard to not say Jokic because who else is going to give you 20, definitely going to give you 10 boards, and is probably going to get everybody else involved too, like just about every night. And if if it's not 10 assists, it's seven. Like that's still crazy. What are we talking about? So it's hard to not say Jokic. As great as... Giannis is. Giannis is a takeover guy, I feel. Mm-hmm. He, if he takes over the game and then you're like, you know, pretty much it's over. But when you got a guy that can score that consistently and do all the other stuff, I know he doesn't defend, but as long as his teammates do, then, you know, it's fine. So I'm going to say Jokic at the moment. Nice. Even though I do want the Heat to win the finals, it's just not looking sweet for them. If they pulled that off, man, it'd be one of the <laughs> craziest stories ever. That's a team. That like the last time we I think we've really seen a team win a championship is that 04 Pistons team. But I mean that or was that 05? Whatever year that was. That Pistons team, but still they were like 
they're still like great players. Yeah. Like Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer. Chauncey Billups. I don't know if he'll get in the Hall, but I mean, the man was finals MVP. Rip, one of the greatest mid-range scorers ever. Like when they added Rasheed Wallace, like, you know, there's just, there's still great players. So Miami is not that, but it's the only team to me that you can kind of even say resembles that because it's it's about, sure, they have a great player, but it's really about all the guys and not just this one guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. Well, all the games that they won recently is because it's been a, a great team just like performance, right? Like Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy might not have scored over 20 or even over 15, but... The team win the bench players. These these role yeah. these role players have all of a sudden become superstars. I think Jokic is great, and I, I would say he is kind of in his prime. But I feel like he's still got maybe one or two years before he becomes like like really in there, really in there. Like yeah, which is crazy to think about. Two time MVP already, right? And could argue should be three. So mm. I wanted Joel to win this year. So I, and Joel deserved last year, I think, mm. which is why I'm fine with. Jokic not getting three. Plus, at the time, he hadn't even made a finals yet. So he'll probably get another one or or more. But to me, he is like, he really is like just the best complete player in the NBA right now. Well, complete minus defense. So (laughs) I just think he he changes, he changes and affects so much more of the game than anyone else can. And more often than anyone else does. Makes it look easy. So the 2K team. I don't even know if I'm going to go 2K. I think I can just go with just the team. It's really, really hard to say that anybody was better than the 2018 Warriors. Like, and I know that's like recency bias, but it's just really difficult. So like if you put them up against Shaq and Kobe Lakers, of course, nobody can guard Shaq and probably nobody can really guard Kobe. But I'd say that version of Klay Thompson can keep up defensively with Kobe enough to be like, okay, you're not getting 30 today. And if you do, it's because you shot 24 shots. Mm. Like, I think they can make that happen. I remember when Kobe was coming out of his prime and Klay would be the defensive assignment on Kobe. And I remember there was a time where Klay was just locking him up and like, yeah, he was shifty, you know, obviously he's different now, but his like lateral defense was like crazy. Yeah. And at that time, if, if you put whatever you considered, though I, I don't even I wouldn't even say it was prime Kobe quite yet. He was getting there. Number eight, you know, he was getting there. But I think that prime level of clay keeps up with him. Shaq can't keep up with the Warriors running the floor. And so yeah, they might get killed on the other end, but it's gonna be five on four pretty much. If they don't have a, a what's it called um, a half court offense set up, like just if they're just running, it's over. And as, of course, the differences in eras, the Lakers just never saw anything like the shooting of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, let alone a seven footer that also shot like the other two guys. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That to me is still historically the greatest team and probably the best to play with on 2K. Everybody can shoot like it's. It's lights you know, out on that one, yeah. It's crazy. Well, beautiful, man. I always love talking sports because um, it's like the only thing that keeps me sane. I love it. I love, it brings people it. together. Yeah. It's real. Well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, for the most well. part. For the most part. <laughs> it literally does not. It's like. <laughs> but, man, thank you again for your time. Thank you again for lending your art to the album. And we're looking forward to your next chapter and what's next for you. 
thank you so much. I, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for people to hear the record. And yeah, man, just anytime, anytime you want me on a, on a song, you know what to do. Hit me up because <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Next one, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Talk soon. All right. Welcome home. A podcast by Taku. Taku.